Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers animated podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm David. And today we are looking at the third and final part of the Transformers animated three-part uh, premiere, Transform and Rollout. Uh, much like the previous parts, this was also written by Marty Eisenberg, and that uh, was released December 26, 2007. So that was the same day as the other two parts, right? Yes. Okay. Or at least just like a big, like a TV movie event. That's what I thought. Previously on Transformers Animated, the Autobots had a fight with Megatron, crashed to Earth, uh, had a had a nap for uh, 50, 30, years. Uh, 50 years under Lake Erie. Was it Lake Erie? Yes. Lake Erie. Yeah. I looked and, that up at one point. <laughs> uh, woke up and then saved Detroit from a uh, giant uh, cockroach. That will never be mentioned again and we'll forget all about it by the time we finish uh, reviewing this. <laughs> There is kind of a, an allusion to it in the next episode that I will point out when we get to it. Ah. Ah. Okay. And in the process, they befriended uh, young Sari Sumdak, and the power of the Allspark imbued her uh, access key with crazy cosmic powers. You know, like... As you do. It's, as tends to happen, yeah. And also Starscream, uh, leader of the Decepticons... Uh, or at least leader of a Decepticon, meaning him, <laughs> has found out where the uh, where the Autobots are, and thus the Allspark. So I want to kind of talk about Starscream's design here for a second. Okay. One, I feel like when I look at him, he's almost a character of Tom Kenny. Yeah. Oh. He's not dissimilar to Tom Kenny. Tom Kenny does have a noticeable chin. And it's weird that, like, this is one of the first departures from the original G1 Seeker head design for Starscream, and also a completely different take than the movie had. Like, yes. it does not seem influenced by the movie at all, and it seems like this more slender, narrow-faced design has really stuck. <laughs> yes. Yes, because there is a lot of this in tra- in Transformers Prime Starscream. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a little bit of movie Starscream in that, but definitely a good bit of, with his face, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, the animated version. Yes, and and sir, I would say many of the personality traits as well. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, he's I mean, he's always going to be star screamy. Yes. So, I mean, it's it's worth mentioning that this was probably the first star screams. You know, we had the Unicron trilogy in between. I was I was thinking about this, how this is the point in the podcast where we really start talking about previous series influence. Uh, but we just sort of glossed over the Unicron trilogy. But Unicron trilogy Starscream was not very Starscreamy until, I guess, Cybertron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the first two, he was just not especially Starscreamy. 
but here he is, he's, yeah, he starts screaming. Yes. He's, he's definitely G1 influenced straight up Starscream. Mm. He's the Starscream for whom the TV tropes, trope is named after. Yeah. So yeah, we open with a montage as the, the Autobots are just sort of fitting into uh, the hustle and bustle of city life. So Bulkhead strolls out of a traffic jam. The guy uh, complaining about the traffic is just the first of many really weird voice casting versus character design decisions for the extras. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not just that. Like, like he, he does a variation on it. Hey, I'm walking. Well, he... He says he wishes he was walking, and then Bulkhead's like, "Hey, I'm walking here." And and but is that is that actually a area accent? It was more like an East Coast accent to me. I yeah, it, it was sounded, kind of, it was it was more of a New York accent than a Detroit accent. Yeah, it was it was a take on that Dustin Hoffman scene from uh, Midnight Cowboy. Yes, Midnight Cowboy, also starring uh, Transformers John Voight. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Ah, uh, I'm I'm now I'm. I'm sad about how many things you can say that about. Like starring the Transformers Francis McDermott or <laughs> starring the Transformer. I mean, basically what I'm saying is the entire Coen Brothers back catalog can be treated like that. And of course, starring Transformers Age of Extinction's Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> Better known as Frazier. Yes. Yeah. Uh, previously known as uh, Down Periscopes, Kelsey Gray. <laughs> oh, I, I I love that movie. Okay, I actually haven't seen it, so I'll leave it alone. It was it's, I was I saw it in the theater when I was a kid. I actually, just rewatched it on Netflix. Holds up surprisingly well. It has Patton Oswalt in it. It has, it has Harlan Williams in it. It has uh, Toby Huss. Toby Huss. It has. Oh God, I'm blanking on his name now. Uh, William H. Macy? It does have William H. Macy. It has ripped. It was surprisingly not been in a Transformers movie yet. <laughs> has he been in anything in the last decade? Well, he's on that he's... show Shameless. Yeah, he's oh, been okay. in the last oh. while. He has, the movie has the single most tolerable Rob Schneider role ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's tolerable because he's supposed to be a dick you hate, and then they dump him off the ship halfway through the movie. <laughs> Never to be seen again. Good, good. More more uh, movies should do that with that character. <laughs> so, yeah, a Bulkhead just walks out of this traffic jam, much to the displeasure of, uh, of a New Yorker expatriate. Presumably. Uh, probably gets defecated upon. <laughs> Also, it's, I mean, we, we mentioned this before, but again, we're, we're very upfront with the, the fact that the whole in disguise thing is just not, not a thing here. No. I mean, they're, they're on the news. Later in the episode, we're going to hear like a TV broadcast where people are just talking about Autobots and Decepticons. Yep. It makes so much more sense than the movies where it's like, oh, everyone hates all Transformers because they just destroy everything. Everyone hates all Transformers because plot. (laughs) And uh, that... It's refreshing because, like, G1 did it like the disguises kind of didn't matter at a point, but, like, it didn't make it... It was willy-nilly with it when they did it. Here, it's like, fuck it. There's giant robots. They transform. Everyone knows. 
And uh, that park that Prowl is in, actual Detroit Park. It is a Grand Circus Park. Ooh. And uh, that oh. statue he's uh, next to is of uh, uh, 19th century uh, Detroit Mayor Hazen S. Pingree. That's, that's a name. That's a mouthful of a name. He was mayor from 1889 to 1897. He was also later governor of Michigan. So we, we, we determined earlier that like, who was it? Marty Eisenberg is from the, the Michigan Detroit sort of area. Yes, I think, yes, I think he is. These are some, these are some very deep cuts he's making here. Mm hmm. I, I think he's from Detroit. But he certainly has Detroit experience if he is not actually from there. Yes, clearly. I mean, it it seems like this is a level of stuff where it's not just you're from there, but you like actively identify with the place mm-hmm. when you're when you're making these sorts of references and jokes. I mean, I am from Canada, but close enough to Detroit that I get most of these. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's kind of like how. It's kind of like how if you live in Portland, Oregon, and you drive down a certain street, you'll notice all the streets you're crossing are named after Simpsons characters. (laughs) Except it's the other way around because that raining grew up there. Yes. All right. Bumblebee goes with Sari to BurgerBot, in which uh, they're served fast food by a terrifying cycloptic fast food (laughs) robot. Yeah. I want want a BurgerBot. I'm going to open a BurgerBot. Is this before or after the family who were all wearing Ushankas? <laughs> uh, oh, you mean the, the communist baby? That yes. Comes, that's coming up. Okay. Uh, Ratchet is just sleeping in public and getting parking tickets. <laughs> oh, no, he's a, taking a stasis nap. Yes, yes. he's taking a nap because, see, he's old. <laughs> <laughs> Would you give parking tickets to an ambulance? I don't. That's a that good question, because on one hand, if they're not, like, on a call, then presumably they're expected to follow those laws. But on the other hand, I mean, who's going to do that? Yeah, unless you're parked in front That's of a true. fire hydrant. Yeah. In which case, then it's just a throwdown between you and the and the fire department. And, yeah, Optimus Prime is... Uh, also hanging around at a park with a bunch of communists. Uh, well, wait, did the parents have, I, just the baby with the fuzzy hat and the little word. Alex yeah, the father says. has, uh, the, it has like a, like a seven on the hat and the father has the, the red star on the hat, so. Uh, I think the seven is supposed to be a hammer and sickle. Oh. Okay, so what's <laughs> up with these communists? Maybe this is far enough into the future that that sort of thing is just like ironic. Oh man, bunch of hip, bunch of hipster communists. <laughs> I mean, just the iconography. Like they don't actually really have any true understanding of what any of it means. It's just like stuff that is cool to them now. Or it's like Star Trek, how they'd go, you know, how, you know, it was hundreds of years in the future, but the Soviet Union was still around. <laughs> yes, it came back. So it's, you know, 20, you know, 2060 or so, and, uh, yeah, no, the Soviet Union's still around. There was, they, they got nostalgia. Well, you know, maybe, I, I'm thinking there are some people who wouldn't mind seeing that these days. We, uh, we One are of them visiting is named Vladimir a robot Putin. city to see how, uh, how the robots are made. <laughs> yes. 
If they're old, remember that the Stalin means man of steel. Oh. Uh, and, uh, you know, Optimus notes this baby communist and, uh, you know, he knows that, you know, transformer life comes from the Allspark. So where does, where does human life come from? And, uh, Sari tells him and he learns the, the horrors of biology. <laughs> oh, it's, it's <laughs> like one of the best, like five seconds of any Transformers. Just, just prime listening to her whisper in his ear and in his facial reaction afterwards. <laughs> it's one of the best primarily visual gags the series has ever done, the franchise has ever done. Yes. yes. I mean, to be fair, she's like, how old? So how how accurate is she going to be? But on the other hand, she is homeschooled by well, a robot. And as we're going to find out later, uh, she may not have all the facts uh, <laughs> regarding you know human conception. Well, at least it's... I mean, you don't have to have experienced it personally yeah. to, I, I would think, to to know how it happens. Yeah, Tudorbot would be telling what, like, people do. It, it's just so weird on many levels. I mean, she clearly never listens to Tudorbot, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but... Who knows where she's getting this from? But, but you know, also her father being a scientist would probably, you know, emphasize a, a factual approach to these sorts of things in yeah. programming her tutor bot. This is true, although he is a like a robot scientist, so well, yeah, he's getting like IKEA instructions. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly that seems appropriate for that for that age group. That's just well, what, yes. what and I mean it's going to seem appropriate later on as well. Well yes. Spoilers. <laughs> I mean it seems like Isaac Sumdak kinda uses Tutorbot as a babysitter for her as well. So yeah. I don't think she's lazy about her studies so much as annoyed that she's sitting through the same lesson for the fourth time. Probably. Probably. Listen, if you don't learn about the Holly Smoot tear from him, where are you going to learn about it? Out in the street? <laughs> Damn it. No. No Holly Smoot tariff. Yeah, it was really bad for the economy. Yeah. <laughs> Never should have happened. Anyway, Sari has also decided that maybe the Autobots don't want to just hang out in the bottom of Lake Erie, so she uh, she moves them into a uh, an old uh, I believe it's an old auto factory that Isaac Sumdak owns, but probably doesn't realize he owns. He got yeah, it in a merger. Says that yes, that mm-hmm. he got it in a merger, and you know he doesn't even know it's a thing. Mm-hmm. And it does vaguely look like uh, one of Henry Ford's original Model T factories. Yeah, which is I now can like see a that. heritage building in uh, in Detroit. Ooh. And the Sumdak headquarters does kind of seem to look like the uh, kind of big glass center of the city thing that I think the Ford headquarters are in currently. Oh, uh, the the Renaissance Center. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's not the Renaissance Center though, because I think later in the show we do see the actual Renaissance Center. Hmm. Which does look pretty futuristic by itself. It's like the one nice futuristic looking part of Detroit. Well, I guess that's why they called it the Renaissance Center. I don't know. The rest of Detroit looks pretty futuristic. I mean, we are headed toward a dystopian (laughs) apocalypse. Well, well, I mean, futuristic in the Mad Max sense, yes. (laughs) (sighs) So yeah, they, uh, they, you know, they're starting to move in, but hey, there's a fire, so they've got to go get out there and save a bunch of people from the fire and Unsurprisingly, they do. 
I think yeah. I think it's thought they did a really good job on just animating the burning building. It looked nice. Yes. And you know, showing everybody using their powers to fight the fire. The the fight scenes and you know the, the I guess action scenes in this are generally pretty creative. Yeah. But unfortunately they're they are not only covered by the news in this uh in this rescue attempt, but also they're being watched by Starscream. Yeah. Well they're <gasps> they're referred to as Detroit's newest superheroes. Thus implying there are other superheroes. Yeah, which we do see a superhero in the uh, spin-off comics. Ah, Uh, the Wraith. Wait, and I, you know, I was—he has a race car and he's undead. What? Yeah, and he's Charlie Sheen. No, he's kind of like—he's a little bit Batman, a little bit uh, Mysterio. Ha. We should probably cover those comics at some point. They are. Bleak written by Marty Eisenberg, and they're pretty good. Oh, Ooh. okay. So, as as a writer, as a writer, the thing that that I think we sort of mentioned this at the end of the last episode, but this episode really does not feel like so much of an act three to the same story as everything else, except I guess if we look at it from Starscream's storyline, in mm-hmm. which case this is very much the act three, but. You know, on the other hand, I, for for whatever reason, I feel like I have to compare it to like the original, uh, you know, three part more than meets the eye, where like the end of the second episode and the beginning of the third episode are like this huge cliffhanger. So the fact that this, what this really felt a lot more like to me, would just be the next episode in a serial series. <laughs> But. I'm sure they wrote it with the idea of being able to split them up later in mind. Yeah. Oh yeah. But uh but yeah, it was uh those Starscream storyline, his part of it, this this really yeah. does feel like the third part rather it's than true. just another thing. Yeah. yeah. It's really the act two that seems entirely out of place. Well, I suppose. I can see Which that. Makes, I, it's also maybe why we don't remember the <laughs> nano cockroach. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, there was a nano cockroach in the last episode? Like a really small cockroach or like a nano machine gray goose scenario cockroach. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, the uh the next day, the uh Autobots, uh Isaac Sumdak, sorry, uh Captain Fanzone and Detroit's mayor who is unnamed here but is later named as Mayor Edsel. Ooh. Nice Which car is, reference. Well, car and, and the the Edsel was a an infamous failure from the Ford Corporation, but it was named after Henry Ford's son, uh, Edsel Ford. Oh, that's that's so much a worse of a name for an actual person than just a car. Yeah, and the worst <laughs> thing is he was like for a car. he was like a he was a good executive and he was a nice guy, and Henry Ford hounded him into an early grave. Ah, <laughs> uh, mm. yeah. Oh, Henry parents. Ford was a bad person. Yep, he was. <laughs> yes, yes, he was. And part of that is why it's not at all surprising that it takes another 50 years into the future to get high-speed rail in a major U.S. city. Uh, yeah. I, I, I believe was... you're referring to the farts. <laughs> because it is the fully automated rapid transit system, which was apparently accidental. <laughs> apparently? Wow. Apparently, yeah. I, wow. I do not believe that. 
Well, they ran with it later. They did one of those uh, scripts for like a script reading at BotCon, and it involved some sort of Sumdac invention, uh, which was the butt. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna look this up. I mean, I, I find it more believable that the dingus was an accident than the fart. <laughs> yes, the the bi-directional unified transit terminal. <laughs> I I mean because it's hilarious, but also. I, Though the the Renaissance Center, as we mentioned, uh, did does I don't know if it still does, but it does have a monorail that just yes, uh, the People Mover, it's still there. Yes, okay, but yeah, I haven't been to Detroit in at least a decade, uh, but yeah, so but that's not like you know light rail. I think it, it's light rail when it's in the city. Yeah, or it's high speed rail would be between cities. I I know because various parties in the great state of Ohio keep trying to get both of them made and no one actually wants to fund anything. Yeah. (laughs) Well, not nobody, just nobody who is in control of politics in the state. That's true. But also specifically my my city. Yeah. Yeah. And even like on a city level where I am, we've been talking light rail for years, decades, and nobody's doing it. So I guess it's not that unreasonable that Detroit doesn't get it until the the undefined far near future. Like, it's, it's the far end of the near future. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, Starscream is determined to crash this celebration, and so he, uh, he attacks a group of fighter jets, uh, destroying most of them, but good news, they've got... Uh, Cobra brand parachutes, so they all get safety. Yes. Also, this is a much more realistic reaction to Starscream showing up out of nowhere than in the Michael Bay movies. Yeah. I guess it's possible that the military kind of knows what the deal with Transformers are for reasons that we will discuss later in this episode, because due to relevance. Yeah. Though I, yeah. I do appreciate that, you know, there are these jets and, and I think it's bumblebees. Like, well, it's nice to see some, some flying vehicles that aren't Decepticons. <laughs> and then one of them is a Decepticon. Yeah, because I guess Sumdac has brought in the Crimson Angels, who are like the fake cartoon version of the Blue Angels, to put on an air show for this uh, this thing. But unfortunately, there is one extra one, and that extra one is Starscream. Before that, we get a conversation between uh, Optimus and Ratchet about heroism again. Yes. And I just want to say, Ratchet kind of depressedly shaking his head as he finishes up what he's saying. They put in mechanical creaking noises as fully that are just... (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I have arthritis just listening to them. (laughs) then, Then it's accurate. I mean, they they do a good job of making him old manish. Yes, yeah. he's he's decidedly elderly, like he was taking a nap. He's got a gut, like a robot gut. I don't know how that works. Yeah, well, just the way his transformation works. Yeah, but it, he was thinner when he was young, which is weird. <laughs> well, oh yeah, how the heck does that work? That I don't. Huh. It's like the episode of Futurama when Bender gets fat and his door won't close, and it makes no sense. <laughs> oh, what? I, 
What? I, I do not remember that episode. Anyway, it, it's nice to have a forward swept wings on a jet. Uh, hypercritical, I think they call that. Whatever, forward swept. It, it mostly just reminded me of some Macross mecha. I, there are a couple of real jets with uh, wings like that. Yeah, I, I think they were all experimental ones. I don't think there are any mass production yeah, ones. Yeah, I think uh, they... Oh, what's it? Uh, Space Case, the, uh, the Generation uh, 2 cyber jet, yeah. yes. is actually based on a real thing. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, no, sorry. It's supercritical, not hypercritical. Oh. <laughs> uh, Varying uh, levels. Hypercritical is my mother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, Same. Oh yeah, I think the Grumman X twenty nine or something. One of the X planes. Yeah, I think what is Space Case will be on here. One of the X planes, so like the Blackbird. A Sukhoi Su forty seven Barracut. Ah. Aha. And yes, it it does look very much like Space Case, and yeah, it was first flight in nineteen ninety seven, and then it was canceled. They only built one of them. Aha. Nice disguise, space case. Jeez. And then there is a there's a movie space case who I think has similar wings. I'm not sure what he's based on. Yeah. Uh, oh, he's he's based on the same plane. He's based on space space case, <laughs> really. Yes. Although, hey, wait, that that space case is a different head on. Um, shoot, Teradai. Yeah. Who's orange? He's really neat. Yeah, and he's got a. Did they also use that for a hooligan? Uh, no, they used the, uh, uh, the one from the first movie that has the, like, the lens head. Ah. And I think they called him Fear Swoop. Because they couldn't get the name Hooligan, although there's a Hooligan in the new movie, so who knows, they're eventually going to use that name. Michael Bay is no longer constrained by having to care about whether or not they can get the trademark. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's also an Autobot hot rod toy now, so. We're, we're... Oh yeah, he's he's gonna be in the movie. He's gonna be French. Monsieur. <laughs> Damn it, no. So now I'm just gonna hear him with a French accent whenever I read uh, Lost Light. Which Yeah, that seems appropriate. Yeah, it kinda works. Yeah. I, I kinda love the idea of movie Hot Rod being Gambit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that makes it okay. It's a shame they already yes. have a robot with a trench coat in the movie then. <laughs> yeah, they, he'll have to steal his trench coat somehow, even though I guess it's part of him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll find a way. I'll find some giant playing cards. Though, though honestly, it's the Bay Transformers movies, so the way he'd find it is probably murder. <laughs> <laughs> or somebody else murders and he wears the corpse so he can fly. Oh, Optimus Prime. Oh, no, wait a minute. Jet Fire killed himself. <laughs> Listen, he wasn't using those parts. Yeah, that uh, was hella weird. Ugh. Anyway, Starscream shows up. He kicks the collective ass of the Autobots. Yay. Yes. They clearly were saving up money to do this fight sequence, too. Oh, yes. And it is, <laughs> it's a very superhero-y fight sequence. Yeah. The the sound effects, the the jet sounds and Starscream shooting are strange, but I really like them. They're very old-school cartoony sound effects. I, yeah. I don't know. It's, it sounds like they're leftover noises from Star Wars or something. Well, that is where Generation 1 got a lot of its uh, sound effect. Well, <laughs> yes, yeah, but they sound like noises you would expect in Star Wars, but they're not, like, from Star Wars. Like, like I yeah. really like the jet engine noises as he's zipping around. I wonder if this being Cartoon Network, may they have used, uh, access to, like, old Hanna-Barbera stuff? 
Ooh, yeah, at this point, maybe. And there, there's a bit where, um, in that fight, I thought the highlight was Prime using his uh, wrist cable to snag onto Starscream. It's a very sort of Spider-Man-y sequence. Oh, it is. And then I, I almost feel like there was some influence from the uh, live-action movie with the scene where they're kind of bouncing back and forth off of two skyscrapers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure how much... Maybe they had a script from the movie? Or storyboards <laughs> or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think as we'll be finding... They they clearly had enough for it to have some influence, unless it was coincidental, which is possible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the the Autobots lose. Uh, Starscream puts Bumblebee, and uh, he puts him in the farts train. <laughs> uh, after shooting him in the back, as Bumblebee jumped in front of Sorry to block, so she didn't get hit. And, yes, and then it's a slow mo there as he's jumping, and Sorry's reacting to the shot, and it. That's like the weirdest bit of animation in the entire episode. The slow-mo looks off. It's a little odd. It's like they didn't decide to make it slow-mo until after they'd finished animating it. Yeah. Oh no, we gotta, we gotta <laughs> fill up a little more, uh, a little more time. Yeah, cause the way Sari reacts is like, her facial expressions are slow and bizarre. Like if they just zip by, it's like, oh that would have been fine, but like, seeing them in slow motion, it's odd. Mm-hmm. Her little football head. So yeah, we, we get all the named humans and Bumblebee as hostages. Which, and yeah, this is the Sumdak Tower. Mm-hmm. And Stars, well, it's there. Starscream is demanding the Allspark, and he's just circling it. And so eventually they do, they do formulate a plan. There's two gags here that I don't think either of them quite work, just because of uh, bad staging choices on each one that Otherwise, would have been really good gags. Mm. Like the sorry, so here's my plan, and then the Autobots are just walking away. <laughs> gag. Yes. Doesn't work because there's this weird cut that seems like it's a commercial break. Yeah, there's a mm-hmm. black screen for a second. Like, it, like saying it's her plan and then going to the commercial and then moving. It's it. It just yeah, the timing's not right. Yeah, it, it definitely takes a moment to be like, oh, that was the joke. Ha ha. And then I'll, and the lady, she is crying and sort of explaining what crying is to them, and then revealing that she was f- kind of fake crying. <laughs> <laughs> That's also the a thing you do is, to get what you want. The reveal is way too much to them and not like an aside to the fourth wall. Yeah. Mm. But they're Although both- it... It kind of pays off later in the episode. Yeah, there is a good emotional beat on that at the end. Yeah. So yeah, pr- so they Prowl and Sari get up there or get up to the top of the tower to uh, rescue the hostages, whilst the uh, Autobots uh, fake out Starscream by getting the uh, the Allspark out. Yeah, which seems like a bad idea. Although I guess they didn't have the. He gave them one mega cycle, which isn't enough time to like fake up an all spark, but no. And so he, but he does keep his promise of getting them down by uh, knocking the train off the tower. Oh yes, uh, after we get our second, because we forgot to mention it last episode, fan zone saying this is why I hate machines. <laughs> yes, it's it's his thing. <laughs> That's his catchphrase. And then this train falls forever. 
Before that, we do get the first, well, I guess second uh, example of Sari doing Deus Ut Machina. <laughs> yes, it, it revives Bumblebee via yeah. a conveniently placed slot in his brain. Yeah. Well, I and, I will say, and I did, I I. I did notice the whole conveniently slow fall thing, but the, and, and at least at one point I did notice that the train did seem to have thrusters on the back of it. Yeah, so well, presumably it was slowing its own fall. So it's not just an entirely inexplicable slow fall. Well, wasn't it Prowl no. using his jetpack thingy, which is unexplained? Yeah, that too. I think it takes them longer to fall off this building than it does to take them to fall out of a plane in Point Break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was way too long. Yep. I, I do love the gag of Bumblebee's wheels spinning up when he comes back to uh, consciousness and then bumping his head on the ceiling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And then also once they're in free fall, I also super love Sorry just kind of scrambling to grab at that bar. Yes. They're really good with the subtle visual gags on this show. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah, everybody gets out safely thanks to uh, Prowl's thrusters and also Ratchet using his magneto powers. <laughs> well, you know, he's a cranky old man. And then it's keep away. <laughs> yes. At one point, and, I think – go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, this does mirror the climax of that first movie with everybody scrambling to get the cube. Oh, yep. <laughs> Oh. Where is the cube? Yeah, except you can actually kind of tell what's happening here. Right. And yeah, it's... it works better here because it, it's <sighs> it's it's keep away, but it's more of like a relay race. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At one point, they dump it into the back of a pickup truck, which I'm almost certain was designed to be a visual reference to Cup. Huh. Oh yeah, yeah, it is. Maybe I can see that, but it has like three axles. Well, sometimes you gotta have three axles. Yeah, it's the future. It's what you do in the future. More wheels means it goes faster. Yeah. Also being red. I also love just, during this sequence, we get uh, SpongeBob beating up Patrick Starr and Patrick Starr beating up SpongeBob. <laughs> well, yeah. yes, there's there's that whole thing. That, that is a great sequence where Bulkhead says, you know, I got it. He sort of fumbles it. Starscream grabs it, and then Bulkhead hits Starscream from off from off screen with his wrecking ball. I said, I got it. Uh, Bill Fagerback is really good on this. Yeah. He is. And so then Starscream just shoots everybody and takes the all spark, and then just obliterates a significant portion of Detroit. Yeah, he's uh, he's not messing around. Apparently the AllSpark can be used as a gun that creates nuclear explosions? It makes, you know, energy. Well, large glowing explosions anyway. That don't seem to do that much I damage. thought you were going to say it makes sense, but I'm, I'm glad that uh, you didn't attempt to go in that direction. <laughs> no. <laughs> because so, it doesn't. And Optimus, because he is Optimus Prime, uh, will not give up. And he climbs up a building uh, using his axe, which is cool. Yeah. They've got a fight. Optimus uh, gets in a couple of sick axe blows. Yeah, well, his first move is to throw the axe at Starscream's wing before jumping at Starscream, which seems like a bad idea. Jump with the axe, slash in midair, 
don't surprise him. Don't <laughs> let him know you're coming. Well, you know, you gotta do the thing. And he, he also uses his uh, flame retardant foam against against Starscream, which, uh, as viewers of the Ultimate Doom knows, is uh, deadly to all Transformers. <laughs> yes. It, well, it's it specifically in this case, uh, and I don't know how accurate this would be, but it uh, it extinguishes his foot thrusters, which yeah, makes I'll, him fall. I'll, I'll say you know it's like futuristic fire retardant foam. I'll buy it. They could yeah. have clogged it up for a few seconds anyway, because that seems to be as long as it takes for him to get them back in functioning order. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe yeah. it, you know, denies the oxygen that it needs for combustion for a brief period of time. Yeah. Anyway, they, they, they both grab the Allspark. It opens up in a weird, fancy way. And sadly, the touch does not play. No, there is no the touch. I, I honestly felt like the the lack of the touch here was notable. I was I was glad. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody had at least asked about <laughs> during the production phase. I I don't know who would have said no because it wouldn't have been Stan Bush. Yeah, no, Stan Bush. Any other time you ask, yeah, sure, yeah, I'll write you a new one. Here, you make it a video I mean, game. Here, here's a third version. <laughs> It was on the regular show. I'm sure it could also be at an actual Transformers production. So, uh, so Stan, we're gonna have uh, Marky Mark sing it in this uh, in this '70s porn star movie. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> Do I get paid? Yeah. Wait, wait. Oh God, there oh, was Marky Stan. Mark. Yes, yes, it was. Oh my God, why is he not singing it on the soundtrack to the new movie? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. I had a revelation that the rest of us. I know. I just know. realized. Holy shit! <laughs> I, I. Wow. Great. Had a breakthrough. <laughs> I, I just love this entire fight sequence in that it's ultimately like Optimus climbing on Starscream while Starscream's flying in midair. Yes, because Starscream is much bigger than than even Optimus Prime, who's the one of the larger Autobots. Yeah, and that goes back to what I was saying before about them making a conscious point to have the Decepticons be threatening. Yes. And part of that was that they are all huge. Except and they like, don't. And they don't always turn up. Like there are some Decepticon-free episodes coming up. Yeah. Yeah. It opens up. A big energy wave comes out. Starscream goes away. We, we don't really see what happens to him. And then Prime just falls. And they're in midair, so he's got a ways to fall. Yeah, they're like, he, he is significantly above the tops of many buildings. He's, so, he is, yeah. He is pavement pizza. Well, wait, doesn't he, wait, he was clinging onto a Zeppelin thingy or something? Yeah, like they're a bunch of advertising blimps, because it's the future, and that means blimps. Of course. <laughs> That's how you know it's the future. I mean, otherwise, you just wouldn't know. Well, it's either the future or it's an alternate reality. That's a good point. Batman's Gotham City. That's yeah. right. I mean, that's kind of the 90s, but it's also the 30s, so that's weird. <laughs> yes. The important thing is there are plenty of blimps. Yes, that's what I matters. I like did kind of, uh, like, how many times this episode have we had somebody falling and then either, oh, they're generally okay, or, oh, Ratchet catches them. I was like, you guys kind of missed the mark on getting this to future. Oh, oh yeah, just like the fourth. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, he, he smacks hard into the ground. And smacks into the ground so hard that he dies because he's yeah, Optimus he, Prime. That's right. Now he knows what it feels like to be a hero 
And he also knows what it what it feels like to be Optimus Prime. <laughs> yes, because this is this is when it becomes a a true Transformers story. Yeah, it's, it's like when Optimus dies. He turns gray so fast, and it's also this is the fastest any Optimus Prime has died in any given series. I think. Yes, unless you count uh, Robots in Disguise, where he starts out as a ghost. <laughs> That's yeah, directly following Prime Yeah, that doesn't entirely count, but yes, it's definitely it's it's pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's just straight up dead, and we got a nice callback to that line about uh, sorry talking about crying being a good way to get your way. And Bulkhead notes that she's crying and says that you know I I don't think you're going to get your way this time, and it's it's kind of sad. It is, but he's wrong. Yeah, because she's got that key, and the AllSpark is right there. And again, we don't hear the touch. No. This this was another the touch moment. Yeah, because she just revives him from death. Yeah. Crazy. Well, yeah, she uses her key to connect, and it connects to the AllSpark, and it sort of jump starts him by giving him an entirely new spark, it looks like. Like, there's nothing there, and then there's a spark. I, I do want to say his spark from two the well of all sparks. Yeah, two things they've they've mentioned. Did we have any mentions of the well of all sparks in the the previous two episodes of this? I think yes. Um, uh, Rat. Somebody makes some joke crack about all about uh, Ratchet being old, and he says he's not ready to join the well of all sparks yet. Yeah, and that's it's it's very interesting that we have a, a continuity here that both has the all spark in the the movie style, but also the well of all sparks, as in you know the the afterlife sort of thing. And I think that first appeared in uh, the Dreamwave comics. Well, it's I mean yeah. it's it's kind of you know just an extension of the Beast Machines all spark. Yes, I think the, the original first time it was referred to as a well was okay. Uh, Dreamwave. I think in that second, in whatever War Within series had the Fallen. Mm-hmm. War Within the Dark Ages. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, the Fallen. Uh, to go back to a time where your only character trait was is on fire. It's <laughs> <laughs> yep. the most important one, though. Well, it's that or his uh, poorly attached face. <laughs> no. uh, uh, not not a not a big fan of Murder Prime. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the Autobots—they uh, are kind of back where they started. Uh, they're they're fixing bridges again, except they are actual bridges, and they are the the ones that Starscream destroyed. Oops. And Optimus, well, Optimus, when he comes back to life, asks, is this the Well of All Sparks? And, and, and no, this is Detroit. So I was like, oh, so it's the other place. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Detroit seems very nice in this feud, alternate yeah. future. That's, that's true. Except for, as we're going to learn, it's infested with costumed supervillains. And they are, to be fair, I guess mostly harmless yeah, costumed supervillains. kind of like Spider-Man's New York. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're more, you know, the shocker than like Carnage. Oh yeah, mostly. Yeah, they're they're more just like you know, felons. Yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna rob this bank. Yeah. Give me your bags with dollar signs on them. 
So yeah, uh, the you know so the city of Detroit is rightfully grateful to the Autobots, and of course Professor Sumdak is especially grateful because he saved uh, his daughter, but uh, he's a little worried about uh, what's going to happen when the Autobots find out uh, how he became a robot billionaire and what he uses as his chair. Oh, hold that rhyme. <laughs> yeah, that's because he fa- remember back in that first episode he found Megatron. Turns out he still got his head. And I guess his hand. And possibly other parts. <laughs> well, you gotta have something to sit on. Because all of his technology is derived from Megatron. Hey, they took something else from the movie. Yeah, yes. and I mean, I suppose the problem with any, like, world-building stuff from the movies is that they never really use them for anything like significant they never feel significant because nothing in the movies feels all that significant so while the fact that you know most of earth's solid state technology comes from megatron is you know presumably why everything can get hit by the old spark and turn into transformers still that doesn't really feel like something significant no whereas here it's like a big deal because, I mean, for one thing, it's not all of Earth's technology. It's just Sumdax robots. Uh, but, you know, that, that does become a problem, uh, even, you know, as soon as the next episode. Uh, but yeah, that's it. I really like how much they do with it here. Yes. Yeah. And it's also at this point, I realized, wait, Sumdax is He's a mad scientist with a streak in his hair. Like, wait, is he evil? (laughs) I mean, I guess kind of evil-ish. He is a little morally questionable. Well, that kind of tracks sort of with his last name, Sumdek, which is Cadmus spelled backwards. Oh, man, he's he's going to stick a bunch of guys on Superman. No, no, the 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 ancient wait, is it Greek or Roman? Greek. Uh, Greek. I believe he was Fe- uh, Phoenician. Phoenician. Oh yeah, because the king of Thebes. Something. Yes. Yep. Well, he he founded Thebes. Uh, so he uh, he slew a dragon and then sowed its teeth in the earth, and that produced a uh, a bunch of super warriors who grew from from the teeth. Oh well. And yeah, that's that's going to be a later episode. Yes, and those warriors all fought each other, and the survivors joined with Cadmus to uh, found Thebes. I thought you were going to say formed, you know, something interesting. Yeah, I, I expected like you to say robot. Voltron. Yeah. <laughs> Galvatron, that Cadmus is going to crash into those uh, Dragon's Teeth warriors. You four, they're going to combine into a duocon. <laughs> Damn it, no. <sighs> Makes me wish there was more trans- commercials. Transformers historical fiction. To be fair, that that commercial dialogue is no worse than that part where Megatron tells Soundwave all about how he's going to create this exact duplicate of Optimus Prime, and then <laughs> it steps out, and Soundwave is like, "It is Optimus Prime." <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing? I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. <laughs> what were you 
you actually paying attention to? Because I was not Megatron. I was toning you out while jamming to my tunes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And unfortunately for Sumdak and the Autobots and the planet Earth, uh, one of the, uh, one of those eyes of Megatron happens to be glowing. It's not quite as deactivated as he appears. <gasps> dun dun dun. Uh, and that is the end of the episode and the end of the three part pilot. Yeah. It's, it's a very good pilot. Yeah. Yeah. The structure is a little weird in places, but it certainly sets up everything that we need and it teases enough of what we're getting later mm-hmm. uh, to make things interesting. Yeah. We definitely get off the ground running, and probably a lot of that had to do with uh, a showrunning team that already really knew what they were doing with this kind of stuff. Yes. And we got the death of Optimus Prime out of the way super early. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Yay. Oh, yeah, that, that's awesome. <laughs> it's like, don't save it for the end of a season or something, the end of the series. They had to, to uh, establish that right up front. I, I mean, that I, was even I a joke not... at the time that, oh, it's a real Transformer show now, because Optimus yeah, Prime is dead. I would not be shocked if they deliberately set out to break the record. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, after Beast Wars, yeah. They were aware of the trope. <laughs> All right, so I think before we uh, we wrap up, uh, David, I think you want to talk about Jam Project a little. Uh, yeah, well, a little bit, yes. Uh, the... Japanese dub of animated, of course, got a new theme song because Japan, everything has to have a new op. And it was sung by Jam Project, uh, Japanese anime song makers, which is a sort of a super group of anime theme song singers. Ooh. Like, uh, one of the founders, oh, who is it? Um, Ichiro Mizuki is like really old. Singer from like old stuff like Combatler V and Harlock and really old stuff who's been around for a while. Some of the other guys have been around for a while too. Like, um, Kageyama did the Chala Head Chala from Dragon Ball Z. And it, effectively, it's like five or six guys got together and said, well, we do anime theme songs a lot. And we like giant robot shows. Let's just do the theme songs to a lot of giant robot shows. Essentially. Yay. So, so they're like the traveling Wilburys of uh, Japanese giant robot shows. I have no idea what that means. So what? they were, so they were the gorillas of yes, Gor- uh, Japanese giant robot shows. Uh, a lot like the gorillas, kind of well, without the animated versions, but like uh, they formed in two thousand. And like, oh, what was their first thing? Oh, their first song was for EX Driver or something. But they've been the guys doing the theme songs for the Super Robot Wars. Fighting games for, well, 17 years. Like every time there's one of them, uh, there's another Jam Project song for the theme song. So they're, to describe their music is hot-blooded, high-energy screaming with joy and passion. (laughs) Oh. So when it was announced that they were going to do it for Transformers Animated, the, what was the theme song? Transformers Evo, I think it's called. I was like, I was really excited. It's like, yay! One of my favorite groups. Doing a theme song for a show I love. And then they came out with that, and they came out with another song on the same single, 
called Praise Be to Decepticons. Which, <laughs> okay, yes. yeah, that's, that's fun. Two good songs. So yeah, so I've forgotten to mention them for two episodes. <laughs> well, I'll have to look that up because I want to hear some Praise Be to Decepticons. Oh, it's, it's, yes. it's a little bit more heavy metal than they usually are. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, like, no, not quite death metal. Like, they're somewhere in between, and I don't know the descriptions of genres. A little more... More guitars. Yes. More heavy guitars. Oh, and I think, uh, I think I, 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 there's something in the bottom of our, uh, of our Maxim mailbag here. Got, I got a tweet in here. Yay! <sighs> and this one comes from at Armor Hide Ack, uh, mighty number 23399. Uh, I think that's uh, that's an anime reference of some sort. Uh, numbers? What? A mighty number something. Oh, M- Mighty Number no. 9 is a video game that came out recently by, like, one of the producers of some older Mega Man games. And it looked oh, like right. it was... That's the Mega Man guy, Keiji Inafune. It was a and, big Kickstarter and, yeah. thing. And then nobody liked it? Yeah, it... Uh, there were a lot of... Pro- it, like... From the first videos they showed of gameplay to the released version, it got kind of worse-looking, and like it doesn't seem like there was a lot that happened during the development process as far as actually... I'm probably talking out of school yeah. here. But. It, like, it has, like, one interesting gameplay mechanic, and, like, everything else just seems like the lamest Mega Man game. Ooh. With less interesting bosses. Uh, anyway... Uh, they write, uh, I'm now finally all caught up with Stasis Pod. Now to see what Jen's headcanons ships from Animated are. <laughs> Ooh. Well, we'll be getting there. Yeah, yeah. I, I did have, uh, I won't go into too much detail yet, but uh, I had one that sort of got preemptively uh, killed in, in Season 3 when the characters ended up being younger than <laughs> anticipated. But uh, but other than that, yeah, we'll we'll get into that. Uh, I I ship uh, nanosec slow mo. Oh okay, yeah, that's <laughs> that's pretty good one. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that should do it for this week. Uh, we uh, until uh, until next time, of course, when we uh, we learn that home is where the spark is. But until then, you can find us all over the internet. We are on Facebook, we are on Tumblr, and we are on Twitter. And we are hosted by IaconUnderground.net, uh, where we also have our news program, and we have uh, Amazon affiliate links there now to help us fund the hosting costs and equipment upgrades, that sort of thing. We also have a Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash IaconUnderground, and we really appreciate all the support we can get. And uh, you can find us on both iTunes and on Google Play, wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. And uh, wherever you get them, please rate and review us. We'd greatly appreciate it. So, uh, until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. Before time began, there was the All-Spark. Like all great power, some wanted it for good, others for evil. And so began the war. Praise be to the Septicon.
I have a very firm memory of how Peter Cullen didn't say the AllSpark. He just there was the Cube. <laughs> Everybody's saying the Cube in that. Megatron's just calling it the Cube. It's like maybe because Cube is a fun word to say. It is a fun word to say. What a weird problem to be having. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's a new one. It, it, yeah. it was actually preferable to any static or other weirdness. Well, talk, talk some more. Tell us a story. <laughs> uh, well, this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. Now, let me take it. And it just sit right there. I'll tell you how it became the prince of a town called Bel Air. You're I'm sounding good so far. Hello, I'm not hearing outtake. any of the weirdness. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good. I'm glad it seems to be working okay.